You are listening to HHS bonus content from the Hillbilly Horror Stories Network. This bonus content is released during the week for your listening pleasure while awaiting the release of Sunday's actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episode. All bonus content will be listed as HHS Presents or HHS Midweek while the actual Hillbilly Horror Stories episodes will have only an episode number and the title listed, for example, 187, The Kentucky Vampires. Those episodes are a longer deep dive into a particular subject. If you are new to the show and the bonuses aren't your style, get the full-length episode to try. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to the midweek episode number 32. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tonight, we have special guest Gwendolyn Guthrie Weston, and she's part of Uncharted Paranormal Cryptid Studies. And she just had one of her shows that was on, uh, I think it was the Travel Channel, where she had a Bigfoot experience, and it was on one of those oh, cool. episodes out there of, of uh, I can't think of these woods are haunted, I think is the, uh, the episode. But really fun story, so you're going to enjoy this one. Good so for she her. tells us a little bit about what happened and what they showed on TV and then what really happened and mm-hmm. how there's a little bit of a difference. You know, they doctor everything up to oh, cool. make things more interesting or so. But first, I wanted to tell you about the Talbot Hotel over in England. So we've talked about the Talbot Tavern, which is here in Bardstown, Kentucky, and that it was established back in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. Now, that's really old for us. Oh, yeah. You know, back Way in the old. 1700s. Today, though, we're going to talk about the Talbot Hotel, and it's in Northampton in New England. So we think our Talbot's old. This one in England was originally built about 1,100 years before ours. What? <laughs> it was founded originally in 636. Oh, man. Just like we were talking about <laughs> yeah, the other night. Yeah, very cool. As a matter of fact, it was completely remodeled in the 1600s, which was still 100 years before ours was <laughs> built. <laughs> so our story tonight involves Mary, Queen of Scots. You've probably heard of her. Even if you don't know much about her, you've probably at least heard of Mary, Queen of Scots. Mary must have been one of the most... Uh, psychically charged spirits that I've ever heard about because she haunts like several different places over there. And you would expect her to haunt Fortaringay Castle. After all, she was beheaded there. That would make sense that she would probably, you know, haunt that place. She was beheaded there in the Great Hall on February 8th, 1587. But they tore down that castle. And that was because Mary's son, James I, ordered it to be torn down in the 1600s. Much of the stone that was part of the castle was then used to build a bunch of other buildings in the neighborhood. Well, that's cool, though. Yeah, I'm sure that probably probably couldn't end well, though, wouldn't you think? Oh, well, <laughs> now that you say that, probably. So then you've got all the furnishings that were in the house and fixtures and stuff like that. They went on to other places. So I'm sure you're probably thinking, what the hell does this have to do with the story we're doing? Well, remember I said that the Talbot was remodeled in the 1600s. Right. The owner found out that they were selling all of the uh, stuff from inside the castle, and it was a discounted rate. He thought, hey, I can get my hotel completely refurnished and uh, remodeled, mm-hmm. and I can do it at a pretty fair price because they're getting rid of all this nice, elegant stuff. Yeah. Well, so the owner, William Whitwell, bought... Many of the fixtures and fittings, including the great horn windows, which I think those are like the ones in Amityville. Oh, you know okay. I was like, of, yeah, I didn't know what they were called, though. 
he also bought the staircase that was in the uh, the castle and had it moved over. Now, that's the same staircase that Mary, Queen of Scots, would have walked down on her way to her execution. Mm. With the staircase, at no extra cost, came Mary's ghost. So it was a bargain. <laughs> a twofer. <laughs> a twofer. On the polished wood of the uh, stairway's railing, there was an imprint of a crown. Now, this would have been left from the ring on Mary's finger as she held on to it on her way down to the execution. It would have just, you know, kind of gripped its way in. Yeah. Mary's ghost has been seen by several different guests in the hotel. Some say that they have a very chilling uneasiness as they make their way down that staircase. Oh, I can imagine. Can you imagine how she felt? Oh, I'm sure. Like, well, I'm walking to my death. <laughs> Woohoo! I just can't imagine mm-hmm. anybody in that situation walking to... Yeah, knowing what's going to Yeah, knowing. Happen. Walking to whatever. Yeah, I can't either. There's a visitor that was actually spending the night in one of the guest rooms. She was lying on the bed, and she said she felt a weight on the covers. So she went to go reach for the light switch to see what it was, and she couldn't move. She said something was holding her against the bed. Freaky. Of course, they have furniture moving around on its own. There is also a painting that depicts Mary's execution. That Get out of here. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of those paintings and stuff for... Um, Wait, a painting of when she got electrocuted? Well, she had her head cut, cut off. I mean, chopped off? I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, they didn't have electricity back then. That's true. I mean, that's what I meant. Uh, uh. We're going to set you in this chair and set you out in the bright sun. And over the period of several days, we'll see what happens. Um. Hopefully lightning strikes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, but no, there's but- a lot of pictures over in England and in France that show executions and stuff like that. That's just morbid. Why would it anybody is. do that? But anyway, this picture jumps off the wall on a regular basis. Mm. We talked about the horn windows, right? Mm-hmm. That came from uh, uh, Fortherin Gay. Some guests that have been watching, walking outside down across the courtyard, they said <gasps> that they can look up and see a woman staring out of those windows. Wow. And some say... That this being the ghost of, of Mary, Queen of Scots, period, in this house is just speculation. There's no way to prove that. Some even question whether the staircase is even authentic. So that's the story is that's the staircase. But some think that maybe that's not the staircase from the castle. But I mean, surely you could tell. I don't know if you could tell or not. I mean, it's an old staircase. That don't mean it came from there. Hmm. So Now, there is a connection, though, between this hotel and Mary, Queen of Scots, regardless, even if that's not it. The executioner who beheaded her stayed at the Talbot the night before the execution. Here's what it says. It is recorded that he partook in pigeon pie, drank a quart of best ale, and made a merry discourse with the serving girl till early hours of the morning. (laughs) I don't know why they kept track of that, but they did. Oh, I can see him now waking up. Oh, set the alarm clock. I got to uh, chop off the queen's head today, and I don't want to be late. He probably got up, and he's like, oh, man, my head's killing me. It's <laughs> nothing what she's going to go through, but still. Uh, <laughs> he probably make, I wish I could chop my own head off. 
<laughs> oh, horrid. Oh, my goodness. All right. That's a, that was a cool little story, though, I thought. So let's uh, let's get, give Gwendolyn a listen. Hey, guys, we got a special guest on, Gwendolyn Guthrie-Weston. She's out in the Tennessee area. She's one of the founders of Uncharted Paracrypted Studies. Welcome to the show, Gwendolyn. Thanks for giving us some time. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Well, let's start off by talking about Uncharted Paracrypted Studies. Tell me a little bit about what that is and how it got started. Uncharted Paracrypted Studies is a group that I use in order to get my name out there and basically just post topics and investigative tools and evidence that I've collected that I'm not saving for any kind of documentary or anything. And we research pretty much everything that falls under the paranormal cloud. It's cryptids like Bigfoot, Mothman, all the way to fairies and gnomes, ghosts, demons, UFOs. We research anything. Who is part of the team? Right now, it's me and my wife. And she's a great investigator. She's very gifted. So she adds quite a bit to the team. I feel like it's easier that way just with it being her and I, we put together things a lot easier and not have to try to collect five or six people to go to things. Now, I agree 100%. It's easier when you can do it like that. So let me ask you this. I always ask couples that are into the paranormal together, was this a situation where you guys were both into the paranormal and somehow met through this? Or was it something where one turned the other one onto it? Our, our story is quite a strange one. We met at Scarefest in 2018, the first time. Oh, um, up in Lexington. That we were aware of. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I said up in at the one in Lexington, correct? Yes, okay. yes. So that's where we met. Um, we never talked or anything, but we ended up getting introduced again to each other later through a mutual friend of ours, and it was just great from there. So you guys haven't been together that long, because if that was 2018, it's 2020. I mean, that's uh, that's fairly recent then. Yeah, we've been married since November 25th. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank you. I know how that is. We uh, I met my wife in January, and by May, I'd proposed by September we were married. So, I mean, we were a nine month, <laughs> nine month from, the, from beginning to end. And that was, it's funny. We spent that same Scarefest 2018. We spent our 10 year anniversary there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So we actually had, <laughs> we had a booth set up there and, and, uh, that was our 10 year anniversary. So very cool. Interesting. That's a pretty cool story. Okay. You brought up. And I didn't have any intentions on talking about this, but since you brought it up, talk to me a little bit about fairies, gnomes, kind of what your belief is in those. If you believe that they are, say, everywhere, I know Ireland has a, you know, Iceland and a, a lot of them countries over in, in Europe have big beliefs in fairies. I don't hear about it as much, the fairy realm here. What are your thoughts on fairies and gnomes and such? Well, like you said, you don't hear as much about them here as you do over in Ireland. So a lot of my research is internet and book research. So I really haven't gotten to experience them firsthand. But just based on the research I've done, I really feel like there's something to the myth because there's too many sightings and accounts and experiences that go way back. I mean, when things were first starting to become documented. To me, 
I feel like there's something to it. But this day and age, I feel like a lot of the magic and mysticism that was involved with these creatures has kind of dwindled with technology. So I feel like a lot of the things that people are witnessing in this day and age might be more along the lines of, say, a tulpa, which if anybody doesn't know what a tulpa is, it's basically a being that is created from an energy source that's put out there. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Philip experiment. But yes. the Philip experiment was, it was as scientific as it could get research to try to create a ghost. Basically, what they did was they gave him a name, a personality, a backstory, a family. This is a person that never existed. And they started trying to communicate with this person. They studied this person. And eventually, over time, they were able to create what is a ghost. It became its own intelligence. It, it gained its own consciousness and it started acting out over time which that seems to happen a lot with these tulpa like entities i think nowadays what people are witnessing are basically just the remnants of the fact that people believe these things exist so the belief that these things exist has opened a gateway for their creation if that makes sense no it does make sense it's almost like the you put enough thought and effort into something you can create it or make it so, and I mean, and we, we apply that logic to everyday life. You know, you see people, they're like a salesman and, you know, in business and, and their whole approach is to get up and be super positive and just see the sales happening to today and, and physically make it happen because you believe it can happen. So why wouldn't Absolutely. it work for energy? Absolutely. And I fully believe in the power of thought. I feel like these creatures in this day and age, a lot of what is witnessed is tulpa-like entities. I'm not sure what my opinion is on the Fey realm in general. The only thing that I will say that I do find it curious that like the Native Americans had their version and, you know, like I said, the all over the world, they've got their little versions. You know, you could say, okay, well, in Ireland and England and all, you know, they're all close to each other. So somebody could have taken that information and traveled. And then that's how that got started there. But that wouldn't explain how the Native Americans, who basically had no contact during that time with the other civilizations, why they would have, you know, all their different versions, even though they didn't necessarily call them fairies and elves. I think, what, what's the one up in uh, the the northeast of Pukwudgies or something like that? Oh, Pukwudgie. Yeah, I mean, and all that's kind of not necessarily the exact same thing, but it's all kind of in the same realm, you know. Right, yeah. I mean, I just, I feel like a lot of those mythical, mystical type creatures in the Fey realm, I just, I feel like our technology has almost put a block for us to be able to truly witness some of these things. I agree. We've lost touch with that side of ourselves. I feel like that's why we don't, or there's not as many accounts as there used to be. This might not seem like it's in the same category, but I'm going to ask you about it because to me, it kind of is. What is your thoughts on children having any imaginary friends? And the reason that I make that connection is I'm a firm believer that children see ghosts, they see spirits, whatever the case may be. And as they get older, the parents pretty much teach most of the kids there's no such thing as ghosts, and therefore they quit seeing these things. So I think for those same reasons, like you said, even though it might not be technology, I think children 
have the ability to see way more because they haven't been taught yet that they're not supposed to see those. And I think that's what a lot of kids that have imaginary friends, I think they really are seeing spirits. What are your thoughts on that? I only think that when a child claims that they're having either an imaginary friend or an imaginary animal or anything like that, I do it on a case-by-case basis because I remember when my daughter was younger, she had an imaginary friend. But the imaginary friend would come and go, and I could really tell that she wasn't actually seeing or experiencing anything. But when your child comes to you and they start telling you a backstory about a person or an imaginary friend that they have, I feel like that they are witnessing fear. There is a theory that the pituitary gland, as you get older, it begins to calcify. You start to lose your abilities that you were born with. So not only do you have your parents telling you that these things don't exist, it's just in your head, it's just a nightmare. The theory is you also have the pituitary gland that begins to calcify and you start to lose pieces of that. That's interesting. That's the first time I've ever heard the pituitary gland even playing into someone's ability. I I had never heard that before. Yeah. All right. We're going to jump ahead to something completely different. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I personally didn't see it. I'm under the impression that you were just on an episode of These Woods Are Haunted. Is that the case, or am I just misinformed? No, that is the case. It was uh, season two, episode six. It aired a couple weeks ago. They did a relatively good job portraying it as much as they could while keeping it entertaining. I was a little saddened by how they portrayed me. I was not fearful. I wasn't crouching. I wasn't asking to leave. I was actually the one that was saying, you know, this is what we're here for. We need to stay. And, And I was the one trying to draw them in. I put pheromones on to try to, you know, if they're animalistic, you know, pheromones. Because I don't know what these things are as far as Bigfoot goes. But if they're animalistic, pheromones might draw them in. If they're more magical, I was used, I was drawing a sigil on the ground, that might draw them in. But yeah, I was I was on that episode and they did a pretty decent job. So was this episode based on an, an occurrence that you had and they based the, the episode or that part of the episode around your experience or were you just helping out on the experience that happened and, and, and a, so was the focus on you I guess is what I was saying on the episode yeah it was me and the team that I put together under the uncharted purpose studies name the purpose for the trip that we went out there was to just take a group around the woods and the mountains where a fellow investigator of mine had an experience so the show what they do is they portray They recreate the incident that I experienced firsthand, and I tell the story as they have actors portraying us recreating it. Interesting. Nice, nice. I mean, I love all those shows anyway, and and I've seen a couple of episodes of that one, but I didn't get to see this particular one. So I'll, I'll have to go back and look. I'm sure it's on on demand somewhere. So, oh yeah. Do you care to tell us the story of what actually happened for those of us who didn't see it? Oh, I don't mind at all. So we went out there. We took a small group around. We were showing them what evidence of a large creature living in the woods might look like. We were looking for bowed trees, footprints. Um, broken branches, uh, structures, anything that, that might lead to a larger creature living in the, um, 
those woods and those mountains. And everybody that came for the event, they got tired relatively quickly, so they left. The Me and two of my team members, we decided to go on up the mountain to go look at the outlook. We were watching the sunset, and we started looking around and realized we didn't bring our flashlights, so we had to get down the mountain before it got dark because the cliff edge we were on was completely bare, and you could see everything in front of you but when you turn around you start heading back down the mountain you have to go through all these woods and these rocks and you kind of got to hike down so we wanted to get out of there before we lost all of our daylight one of the other investigators that was with us he was brand new he had never had experience before and he had actually brought three flashlights so we used those there was actually two headlamps and then a flashlight but they were all like broken or dim So it was like, it's better than nothing. So we started our track down and we took the shorter way because we were trying to cut off a lot of the mileage we were going to have to take. So we took the cliff down where you had to slide down the rocks. As we were sliding down the rocks, we could actually hear something off and above us that was sliding down the rocks behind us. At that point, there's there's supposed to close at dusk. There was nobody else on the mountain with us. We kept turning around looking, turn around looking. Our flashlights weren't shining very far in, so we couldn't really see anything anyways. So we just said, we got to get off these rocks because they were slick. There was crevices where you could fall down in for feet. So we just had to get off the cliff. We got down to the trail, finally, and we kept going. We kept hearing these large footsteps off to our sides and behind us and we even said something's trailing us so when we got down to flatter ground where we could actually do some stuff we set our bags down we started pulling our tools out one of the investigators that was there with me michael he took a stick and he made a tree knock which is where you knock a tree to try to get a response from bigfoot who is also said to knock on trees with other sticks so he did that nothing happened so he called he did a whoop a whoop is where you try to recreate their call that they're said to make so he did a whoop and nothing so he told me just real small feminine whoop and i'm like okay this is silly but i'll try so i did it and we got a response and I was shocked because I had been investigating for a while. I had only recently, a few years ago, had tiptoed into the cryptid world. And I'd never heard of Bigfoot. I've never seen one. I've never had experience with one, even though I researched. And I was shocked that I was actually hearing it. Soon, we started hearing some movement around us, like up the trail further. And I decided I was going to put the pheromones on. And I drew a sigil on the ground. And the intent was to draw them in using the sigil. It's a very directional sigil. It relies on north, south, east, and west. Every time I was able to add another line to the sigil, you could hear walking and footsteps in that direction. Eventually, we ended up hearing about seven sets, five to seven sets of foot, like footsteps all around us. And the only opening we had was the trail down to leave the mountain. I started gathering that they were kind of corralling us, trying to get us to leave. When Michael, the investigator, reached out, he touched my arm and went to kind of tug me. He says, come on, we're going to go, because the other gentleman that was with us that had never been before was panicking. He was white. We were hearing growls. We were hearing rocks getting thrown. We were hearing footsteps. And he, I turned around, and the guy was white and sweating. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's getting a heart attack. So I was like, okay, okay. So, but as soon as he grabbed my arm and pulled me and I stepped out of my circle, which the sigil is based around a circle, this thing, huge thing, stomped at us like doosh, 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 like five times. The footsteps were so heavy and so massive that you could almost feel the ground vibrate. And it never came into our light. 
We never was able to actually see what it was, but you definitely tell by the footsteps that it was bipedal. You can tell it was Matt. And with all the other things that were around us, they weren't playing anymore. They wanted us gone. We ended up making our way. We were getting rocks thrown at us. We were getting calls. We were hearing them follow behind us. The whole time, we were running a video, YouTube video, it's YouTube Live. And I didn't know it at the time, but I guess it was malfunctioning because I wasn't even getting the comments on the video as they were popping up because they were trying to tell me that the video was messing up. And I didn't see any of that. So we get down. We get to where we think we're far enough out that we're out of their space. All of a sudden, just this big, giant rock, just boom, it sounded like a gunshot. It hit so hard. There was a shed behind us and off to our left. And it hit that, sh- a rock hit that shed. I looked at the investigators. I was like, I don't think we're far enough out. <laughs> and then another one, boom. And I was like, okay, we got to, we got to keep going. We got to get all the way down into the uh, parking lot. So we got down to the parking lot. It's literally, it was like you could almost feel where you exited their domain because it just the energy felt different. And then as soon as you step through that threshold, you can just hear like this long, low call that was off uh, down almost like in a creek bed. And then there was another one that was on a bridge up higher. And then there was another long call up on the ridge up higher than that. And it started at the bottom again. It did about three times. Just There was a call, there was a call, there was a call. The third time it went up, it was to all the calls were just all over the place. It was like nonstop. It was like a chorus. And I'm sitting here looking at the other investigators. I'm like, is this really happening? Like, I don't even know how to take this. So I go to publish, or no, I grab, go to find my recorder. I didn't have my recorder with me. And I wanted to get it on audio because it was just insane to me. And so I was like, I left my audio recorder at the hotel. We got video on YouTube. Let's just go because they want their space. We get in the car. We're pulling out. I go to publish the video and it says that YouTube has encountered an error. And I was like, no, 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 no. And I started panicking. I just immediately felt all the blood rush for me. I said, no, 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 please. It cut a 54 minute da- minute video down to nine minutes. Ugh. And again, I think that goes into play with the whole Bigfoot having some sort of energy field that it can create that just makes all your devices malfunction and just go crazy and drains them. But as far as a Bigfoot experience, unfortunately, I did not get to see him. Unfortunately, I really wanted to. But when it stomped us like it did, I felt pure fear because I'm thinking okay we're about to die I'm sitting here thinking this thing's gonna attack us because you know while I hear it and I know I'm hearing bipedal footsteps we were also in the mountains what if what if it was like a giant bear or something <laughs> you know but with all the other footsteps going on around us I truly believe that I had a Bigfoot experience that day what part of the country was this in uh, it was in Berea in Kentucky oh wow I didn't know yeah. it was going to scare me to death with something that's 45 minutes from my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it, but they were very, you could almost feel what their intentions were. They, You could tell that they didn't really want to hurt us. They just kind of wanted to corral us out of their area. I felt like they felt like it was their time and then when it was gone. But when Michael, the other guy that was with me, grabbed my arm and I stepped outside of my circle, I felt safe, very safe in my circle. But when I stepped outside of my circle, I don't know if it pissed off the big one, which I know that that one was a big one because it just had a very um, adult persona, the way it acted and the way it kind of stood back and let the, the younger ones 
And you could tell the difference in the size of these things, too, just based on the footsteps. They weren't taking care of when they were stepping down. You could hear each step. So you could tell the other ones were smaller. Maybe they were younger. And then the other one was the bigger one, kind of just sitting back and watching the ones in training. I don't know. But it pissed off the big one as soon as he grabbed me. And that's why I was just like, douche, 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 just stomped at me hard. And immediately I crouched down because I'm going into, you know, I'm not a threat mode. And I look at the camera and I look back where I heard the noise. And I said, yeah, I think it's time to go. What was it that brought you guys to Berea to begin with? Was there reports out there? Was there a reason why you thought you might find something out there? The other investigator that was with us, Michael, he had an experience there years ago where him and a buddy of his that was also a researcher uh, witnessed one firsthand. Actually, not one, two. It's a great story. You know, it's not really mine to talk because I don't know all the details, but he had a pretty profound experience there in the past, and they had researched it a lot after they had had their experience there and all the activity died down so they basically stopped researching that area until that day when we went he thought he was just going to take people into an area that had old bigfoot activity they moved on well clearly they're still there yeah there's a not too too far from that area in the mount sterling area they've got barilla is the the big folklore legend around there so i mean and that's more of a supposed to be more of a dogman type deal but that's it's not too far away from where berea is oh wow and they call it the barilla yep it's called the barilla yeah it's something if you haven't looked into you might want to check into it there's some really good documentaries out there and man yeah there's a gentleman by the name i think ron coffee he's the expert on the barilla but yeah it, it's a lot of sightings of that but it's you know i don't know why they called it barilla because it's not like a gorilla but it literally is you know it's it's more like a dog man so same neck of the Interesting. woods i'm gonna definitely look at it write it down so i can check it out yeah, later. Actually, yeah that's... i researched it last week to actually start doing a story on it so we're probably gonna do a story in the next week or two on it so pretty cool all right that's cool. awesome yeah because uh that'll give me something to listen to while i'm in isolation <laughs> <laughs> true so, Gwendolyn, you guys have a uh, special event coming up in August, and it's one that's near and dear to my heart, helping out autism and combining the paranormal. And tell me a little bit about the event. Yeah, my wife, she's got a big heart. She wanted to do something to not just research the paranormal, but also use her connections in the paranormal and the paranormal field itself to do something good. Jack Kenna is part of what's called ICU Paranormal. It's it's an investigators collective of the on-scene paranormal, which I'm also a member of. Jack Kenna, his son, has autism. Mm-hmm. So Candace, my wife, wanted to do something to benefit Autism Speaks. So this is a completely donation-based event, and it is a fundraiser that is going to benefit Autism Speaks. It's called Paranormal 3.0, and it's going to be at Ashmore Estates in Ashmore, Illinois, and it's going to be on August 1st, 2020, and it's only a one-day event, but it's going to be 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., and it's $10 for general admission, and all kids under 12 are free, so they get in free. There's going to be lots of fun stuff to do. There's going to be, like, a sensory table. There's going to be food and drinks. There's going to be speakers. There's going to be lots of merchandise for sale. If you buy from the vendors, those items, the money made from those items, don't go to Autism Speaks. That's their own profit. But they, they're buying a table for $50 helps out Autism Speaks. And we still have plenty of tables left. Tables are $50 a piece. You can sell anything. It doesn't have to be paranormal-based. You can sell baby clothes. It doesn't matter. The $50 goes towards a great cause. So if you have items that you want to sell, 
buy buy a table you know we're hoping to make this a really nice big event and there's also an opportunity for a special after hours investigation for an extra fee all the information can be found on the website at icuparanormal.org. That's icuparanormal.org. It's just going to be a really fun time. That's awesome. And, and th- for those who listen to this show regularly, they know that Jack Kenna is a good friend of the show. So we've uh, we've got to know Jack very well, and he's been on a few times, and we keep up on a regular basis on on how he's doing. And I know uh, you know he's, yeah, he's he's a great guy. He's quite the amazing gentleman. Yeah, I was immediately enthralled by him as soon as I got talked to him for the first time. He's got tons of great information and he's just a good guy altogether. Yeah, I was poking fun out of him uh day before yesterday because I, I watched an episode of A Haunting and he was on it and I didn't know he was on this episode. I just started watching it and I was just cracking up about the guy they had playing him in the in the episode and all that. So I was kinda nice. shooting him some texts, giving him play by play. Yeah, I've had some people picking on me ever. <laughs> my uh my my actress that betrayed me as well. <laughs> Yeah. And how they portrayed me. <laughs> My granddaughter, uh, she's got her little, own little episode on here that they, they target towards younger kids called Hillbilly Youngins. And she's 11, and Jack is her by far her favorite paranormal celebrity out there. She just, she we went to Scarefest that, that same year I was telling you about, and Jack was right across from us. She spent, the whole time we were there, she spent at Jack's booth instead of ours. So. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I can see why. He's he's just a really good guy. I, I really enjoy getting to talk to him, and I'm really excited to get to work with him on this event. Uh, again, it's it's an event being put together through IC Paranormal, um, and then there's some other groups, uh, JC Paranormal, and then RR Paranormal. There's a few groups that have kind of come together and collectively tried to make this event a good one, because the more money we raise, the more money that goes back to Autism Speaks. Absolutely. It's a great cause. Well, I can't thank you enough, Gwendolyn, for coming on the show and sharing a little bit about uh, your group and, and things you got going on, and especially your Bigfoot experience. How can people keep up with you if they want to on social media? Uh, you can find me on social media through my name, Gwendolyn Guthrie Weston. You can also go to Uncharted and send me a message through there. And if you want me to request you, just send a message through there and I'll, I'll find you. You can also find a lot of updates on ICU Paranormal. Facebook page, also on the website, icuparanormal.org. Well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your stories, and uh, I'll be talking to you soon. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. So we have plans to be at that function, that convention in Ashmore in August uh, to benefit autism, so Mm -hmm. hopefully that can still go on. I haven't talked to anybody recently, but we'll see what the deal is, and and, uh, we'll give you updates on it. I hope it does because it's for such a great cause, and, you know, it's time we all start to get out and get back to our lives again. So we'll see, but uh, we'll give it a shot. But anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate it. And we'll we talk do to you appreciate soon. you guys. We'll talk to y'all later. Have a blessed day.